0: Episode 346.
1: But I think the focus should be on taking care of our veterans because if we take care of those, if we take care of uh, those techs, those employees, they become advocates not only for the industry, staying in the automotive repair trade, but also advocates for your business, for your shop.
0: Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. My guest, Matt Fonslow, stopped by for his second interview, one-on-one. Hey, Matt's been a great contributor to the Remarkable Results Radio podcast. He has a lot on his mind, and he and I work the interview and discuss entry-level wages, how we improve the value of our profession, the future of repairs, diagnostics, and bonus plan. Carm Capriato here, and welcome to the premier award-winning Remarkable Results Radio podcast and episode 346. Hey, thanks to Federal Mogul Motor Parts for making this interview possible. When you need to search for parts, get the latest technical updates, or sign up for some Garage Rewards loyalty program swag for Texan shops, go to fmmotorparts.com. As we work as an industry to integrate ourselves into the education system and become more involved, don't hesitate to spread the word about the special automotive student podcast category that can be found on my website. I've created this special collection of podcasts for automotive students. It's a collection of must-listen interviews and roundtables that I've carved out so that automotive students can learn about the industry that they are about to build a career on. Tell your educator friends and college department chairs about this series. You can find it at RemarkableResults.biz student. Hey, check out the brand new podcast show called For the Record. Find the new episodes at remarkableresults.biz slash FTR and on all your podcast subscription services. We are also now on Google Podcasts. The network of listeners builds in the aftermarket's learning superhighway, and I'm honored to make so many connections like new Facebook friends Corey, Shack, Rick Bingham, Jeff Welsh, John Vogel, and Stephen Marsh. And to my new Instagram followers, Andy Musall and John Villa. We also like to welcome new LinkedIn connections, Devin Purcell, Andre Busco, and Gregory Setzer. Get connected. Remarkable results up is slash social. Calculating the contributions of each team member to the overall success of your business to create bonus plans can have a lot of variables, which includes compensation, productivity, efficiency, training, soft skills, margin, hours build, and communications, among others. Matt Fonslow, a diagnostic technician, PICO instructor, and a member of the Tech Talk panel here on the show, and also shop manager at Riverside Automotive, shares his experience in implementing a new plan at the shop. There are a lot of important issues tackled in this episode, like the pros and cons of entry-level compensation, how will it affect veteran techs, and what are the rules of engagement with new techs coming into our trade? Matt also discusses how experienced techs will stay motivated and loyal to businesses by engaging them with DVI, all the while attracting younger customers through this new technology. Matt also goes into his futuristic mode and shares his take on the future of diagnostics through systems and technology where there would be a middleman similar to Alexa, communication, back and forth. I think we're talking artificial intelligence here. So here's the rub. Would techs and specialists become less valuable? Listen to Matt Fonslow and also find the talking points in Matt's previous episodes at remarkableresults.biz E346. Hey, now enjoy the second barter one-on-one with Matt Fonslow. Hey, a warm welcome to Matt Fonslow. How are you, man? Excellent. How are you? Great. So you're uh, closing up the shop today, and uh, what was the first thing on your mind on your drive home? Uh,
1: I hope my internet works. <laughs> I've had some historical issues with uh, internet connections, so...
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. A little
1: bit of a stressor for okay, me. Okay,
0: what was the number two? <laughs> Be
1: ready. Can I go over...
0: Uh over
1: my thoughts and everything yeah
0: shop related a big challenge that came in uh things you're thinking about on you know with the direction you'd like to take the shop um i can't imagine working technicians today and shop managers like you are thinking about artificial intelligence they're thinking of pay and bonus programs they're thinking about training comp plans uh, entry level students tech shortage so what was that second most important thought
1: all of the above. Um, uh, we just rolled out a, um, uh, bonus plan, if you will. So th- that was on my mind. I was checking numbers, uh, just watching, uh, the other technicians or really all the employees. I should say all the employees, how they're re responding to it. And so far it's been very favorable, very, very favorable. So. Pretty excited about that.
0: You brought the plan to to the owner. He came to you yeah. with it. Okay, you no. did. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and you used your contacts in the industry to help uh, refine this.
1: I yeah, I do feel like I used them. They helped me immensely. It's pretty awesome being able to speak with some of these individual shop owners, uh, managers, business coaches, and Namely, the ones involved with the remarkable results podcast and just how wonderful of people they are. It's supremely knowledgeable, but also just re- when you really get down to it, they're just really, really good people. And I ran some ideas by them. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I should be naming names, honestly.
0: Anybody can just basically see all these great uh, industry colleagues that we have, that we've we've interviewed. Um, They're on the website. They're on the show. And, you know, I was just thinking the other day, Matt, you know, I I was thinking about talk about the great content that we have in these, you know, these incredible interviews. You know, yeah, some of them are long, but you hang in there. They're they're very powerful in aggregate, you know, the whole audio piece. But I started to think, is it about the quality of the content or is it about the fact that we're solving problems for people?
1: Probably a little bit of both. The most important thing is you're solving it, addressing problems and offering solutions or avenues to solutions. I think that's, that's really what's driving this. But then the quality comes in, too, and that's what separates you from everybody else is the quality is really, really high, both production value and then just the quality of your guests.
0: Thanks for that. Um, so you, you, put a, uh, you put a plan in place. The guys are excited about it. What have they come up and talk, said to you?
1: I think they just really like the simplicity of it. It wasn't... Um, there isn't a whole lot going on, a lot of different things to worry about. They can really just focus on doing what they do and then anything that um, contributes to the more profitability of the shop. That's really all it's about. So in exchange for really focusing on individual performances, I've... Put some of that aside and focused on the outcome. I'm more concerned about the outcome. And then as, as management, just because we have a compensation, compensation package put together or a bonus plan put together doesn't mean we get to throw it in overdrive or even neutral and put our hands behind our heads and lean back and now watch the shop go. We still actually have to manage. So, uh, it's that portion, you know, paying attention. Uh, to the techs individual performances rather than letting the system dictate their performance or pressure them one way or another to perform a certain way
0: service writer uh, or advisor yep. shop manager tech, yep. everyone 's involved so it 's really a team yep. is it a team thing yes it 's a team thing very much team, very much team
1: so it yeah, doesn 't matter um, who
0: gets they, what job and it doesn 't matter uh who helps sell a job it's 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 it 's it's all team
1: all team it benefits everybody to help one another. It benefits everyone to kind of, uh, work on their strong areas. So we're not, you know, stealing tickets. It's like, Oh, Ooh, this will be a gravy ticket for me. You know, well, so-and-so might be better at that. And there's this one that's right up my alley. I'm going to grab this one. Um, so, you know, don't get me wrong. There's, there's potential pitfalls involved because of, uh, the focus is really on outcome, but I, I I like it. I'm 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 excited to see how it works, especially long term. You know, I'm worried that there might be a honeymoon period for a few months, and then it will start to lose its uh, sparkle or whatnot. But I, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about it. What
0: was the spark that uh, kicked this off?
1: Part of it was very selfish uh, on my part. Very selfish. That I feel. That there's been things I do and have been lu- I'm lucky enough to be able to do uh, on the side, if you will, with with training, with attending these uh, conferences and product expos or trade shows, and being involved with the network of technicians and managers I'm involved with and friends. I, that gives me a lot of uh, advantages and really all of them go back to the shop because of those relationships and it really helps the shop. Well, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I was feeling a l- little concerned about that goes unrecognized. So now it's really anything I can do to help grow the shop, grow the uh, amount of profit the shop does, uh, I get a piece of that and that makes me feel much more involved Much more uh, appreciated, I guess, if you will.
0: Was it a hard sale?
1: Maybe the first initial pitch, but after he went and I think thought about it a while, and it it wasn't just me. It was for everybody involved, service advisor technicians. After he thought about it a while, he came back to me and said, sit down with me and go through this again. And that went really well. And then I think the, the general concept of having a plan was then sold, now how are we going to go about doing it? And when I made it all about profit and I considered the break-even point of the shop, like nothing happens until we hit this break-even point. Uh it was just a wave of relief I could see uh, you know going over them was just this wave of relief that okay I don't I'm not gonna go backwards. The shop's not gonna go backwards. There's real um reward or uh, reason for everybody involved entire shop to uh, work together to keep growing that business, become more br- profitable, turn out good work. You,
0: know, you created an engagement um, atmosphere um, and, and it's, it's really not hard to manage behaviors if someone's not living up to, you know, what we need to do as a team. It's, it's, it's easy because that person's either pushing, putting in the bottom line or taking away from it.
1: Yep, and part of it is is most of the people we have working for us are very good, motivated people, and unfortunately, a lot of businesses, not just small business, just auto repair, has a nasty habit of over time uh, diminishing that motivation, taking that away, sucking it out of their employees, and uh, it isn't just about compensation, although that's an important part. It's The environment and the shop culture and how everyone feels they're treated and um, appreciated and their roles. So many. We could go all. We could go a whole hour on just that, but it's it's just one more step in the right direction. Part of the reason I pitched it as being really outcome based or outcome focused is that I kind of start having problems where you start focusing too much on individual performance and. Really, it's individual contribution to a whole. And I feel like that can get kind of fuzzy. That um it can get really difficult to truly understand any one individual's contribution to the entire profit or entire success of a business. And, you know, okay, theoretically, you can calculate anything. There's nothing that can't be calculated theoretically. But let's, let's pick on the weatherman. They permit, they make predictions and sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're really wrong. Then you might say they can't calculate the weather. And the reason is, is they, they don't have enough information to make that calculation and to make it very accurate. Another example would be uh, the Chinese space station when they had that, uh, come out of orbit and crash to the earth. They didn't really know where it was going to land. They couldn't pinpoint, oh, it's going to land right here and it's going to be within three meters. They couldn't do that. It's not because you theoretically can't. You theoretically could, but you need so much information to be able to make that calculation that accurate. So it's kind of like skipping rocks where calculating a skipping rock might seem very simple, but there's a lot of things that happen on every individual skip. It's very difficult to calculate that out. You could do it with enough information, but generally we don't have that, uh, the time or the ability to gather that much information. So I find that to ca- really truly calculate everyone's contribution to the overall success of a business gets to be really, really difficult because yes, we can look at, um, you know, hours turned or sales. But there's other things that go maybe uh, intangibly that have, may seem small on one end, end up making very large impacts on the other end.
0: This analogy led you to the team bonus then? Yes. Got it.
1: To a little bit of crit- criticism that I don't ignore. I, I know, I know what I'm doing, or I don't want to say I know what I'm doing, but I know that I'm intentionally, uh, ignoring some things, focusing on the outcome, but I feel like it gives everybody else, it gives everybody a chance to, uh, read the rewards to their overall contributions. And some of that may seem, you know, if you're really trying to look with a microscope, may seem insignificant, but, you know, not to go all like chaos theory about a butterfly flaps its wing in Beijing and it, storms in new york rather than a sunny day
0: i love that analogy by the way the butterfly effect i just i so love it <laughs> so so love it I have a video on that yeah, actually i just read something recently about uh, simple answers complex answers and in how some of us people you know we desire uh, tell me more i i need to really understand and some people say fix it wait a minute stop matt i'm good don't go too deep, I'm out of here. I mean, what do you see?
1: Uh, I see most people on the other end of the counter and even some people on our side of the counter really don't know what is going on the, with their car like technology speaking or what it what it really went into to figure out this this misfire or, or this electrical you know parasitic drain. All the customer sees is that you put in five dollars in parts to do a wire repair, but it took you six hours. And trying to explain to them that the comp uh, the sophistication and how complex this issue might actually have been and what it took to finally drill down to this issue, you know, this this culprit really falls on deaf ears. And I just find that a lot of and and not just auto repair related but even the most complex things, people want simple answers, and it doesn't always work. And that's where a really good service advisor shines, as they can take the meat out of a complex, whatever maybe a complex repair, complex protocol, pick out the uh, you know do a little bit of cherry picking and present it to a client, and determine how much one way or the other, simple or complex, this particular customer or client uh wants to hear and communicate it to them in a way that they now understand the value of what repair just took place
0: that's a talent
1: it could be a talent it probably can be a developed skill if you uh if you take up you know just listening to the podcast i think uh following the advice of some trainers and business coaches you can probably really develop that with like disc assessments your own disc and being able to identify a client's disc probably helps determine pretty quickly. Do I want to be pretty simple, or do I want to go really complex with this explanation? Do I need to call the technician up front to help me explain this, or you know, I'm just gonna really simplify this and they'll be ecstatic?
0: Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. Uh, disc uh, is is one of the most listened to episodes uh, that we have. Anything we have to do with that human communication model, all I encourage people to do is go to the website find the search button search bars are all over the place type in d i s c and listen to everything that you possibly can i remember going through uh in 1998 an assessment on this and it was a, it was a two-day class and they put every one of us who were in there up in the front of the room, and they said, "Observe Carm, observe Joe," and and then we all sat down. We started to get into the different values, and then they put us up again, and they say, "Now, without giving this guy a test, look at him, look what he's wearing, how he's walking, how he's talking, and see if you could find his most dominant um, communication skill." And it was amazing how we were—we just got to learn how people looked, how they dressed. How they walked, how they talked, what was the world around them? Was it disorganized? was it, you know, was it organized? Was it chaos? And it was amazing to learn that. And and you're right. So, the complex sometimes needs to be brought to a, a customer in a simple form. But here, I'm going to pay a bill that's worth six hundred dollars and five dollars worth of parts that are in it. Does it require? A pretty decent explanation or if the customer says thank god it's been bothering me it's been killing me thank you thank you thank you i'll send you a turkey at thanksgiving (laughs) they pay the bill and they go and are we sometimes saying well wait a minute let me explain to you exactly what happened Are, are we sometimes making those mistakes
1: yes they don't need to know the technology they don't need to know the technicalities of it they just need to know that you brought it in you addressed their concern, you care about them, you took care of it, you uh, charged them a fair price, and you're going to stand behind it, and they don't need to know anything else. They don't care to know anything
0: else. Yeah, but I don't know this customer too well. Let me give you a scenario, Matt. I don't know this customer too, too well. They've been in a couple of times. Maybe we were the the last shop that finally fixed it for them. And um, and they seem satisfied. They paid the bill and left. And we never confirmed or clarified. Are you sure you're okay? We can we can really help you with this explanation. We can kind of walk you through a, a wiring diagram where we found it, why it took so long. Are you sure you're okay? You understand? Because they may turn around, go to dinner Friday night with their friends and say, Hey, what's going on this week? Well I paid six hundred dollars to find a, a short in my car. Are you kidding me? They could have gone over here and they would have done that for, you know, twenty bucks, probably for free. And and people start second guessing because they aren't equipped. Uh, they they can't. Well, wait a minute. I saw what this guy did, and, and it was very involved. And they had to keep. My point is, is sometimes we make a mistake because this person who doesn't get enough information—not maybe too much, too little. There's a, a medium point. And 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 all I keep thinking about is confirm and clarify with the customer that they're satisfied that they really do know what we did before you let them go.
1: I mean, you can only do so much. But I think what what I'm hearing from this, and I agree with you, is. My initial response was focused a lot on just that conversation, but I think everything from taking the vehicle in to finally accepting the money for the invoice plays a huge role in what you're talking about. And I think, like the digital uh, vehicle inspection types, those type of systems where the tech, you know, beyond just the safety inspection or the the courtesy inspection is probably a better word to use courtesy inspection the actual process of re- diagnosis and repair or inspection and repair of a complaint and documentation with photos and video alleviates a lot of that
0: Got it. you know when yeah. they
1: when a customer is, you found that broken wire under a seat somewhere and you show them how much how far apart their car was taken you show them some screenshots of a before and after on a uh test equipment scope uh, scan tool, whatnot—that goes a long way to helping further build that value, and it doesn't take a whole long to do it. A whole long doesn't take a whole lot of time to do
0: that. I understand. Okay, thanks for that. I'm talking with Anthony Froein, a technical product specialist with Federal Mogul Motor Parts. Anthony, when you're in a shop, are you talking tech as well as product?
2: Whenever I do a physical training, there is products incorporated pro- part of the whole uh, training overall, but it's to maximize the time, whether it's diagnostics, whether it's inspection, whether it's installation, so that way they understand that, hey, by skipping that extra 20 seconds by putting on this set of brake pads and not replacing the hardware, hey, this might be the reason why that I'm getting comebacks. And usually, being a ex-shop owner, I understand that the first time you get paid, the second time's free.
0: And so are the techs really starving for this information?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of times you have, uh, I mean, we live in an industry where I like to like to say they, they cut that, the, the roast in half and they don't understand why, but they do it just because they've always been doing it type of an industry. So, you know, to break it through that, they've been doing something for 30 years and they see as they haven't been doing anything wrong, but it starts to open up their eyes to, hey, you know what? It wasn't necessarily wrong, but there is a better way.
0: So you're really talking to me about an aha moment.
2: Exactly.
0: And tell me when you see that happening um, more and more from technicians that you're out with, uh, how does it make you feel?
2: Oh, it's awesome. I mean, you really feel like you're giving back to the community overall. But ultimately, the way I, I tell them, you know, I look at every single vehicle that I worked on prior to or I had my customer just like I'd put my family in that vehicle. I look at it as I'm keeping everybody else that much safer because the job's getting done correctly.
0: Federal Mogul Motor Parks' Garage Gurus is your go-to source for the vehicle training, technology and answers you need to keep your next job on track. On site, online or on demand the gurus are here to help keep your business and your career on the road to success. Visit fmgarageguru.com Hey, you remember when you first joined the industry? Yes, yeah. Did they uh, throw you out in the Lou Bay for two years and say, "Here, boy, you got to earn your way up"? And did they say, "By the way, we're paying you minimum wage"? What (laughs) What was your entry into into the industry like? And talk to me about compensation plans.
1: My first auto repair job was at a Ford dealership, and it was new car prep. And then I really, really hammered on the service advisor and the the dealership owner. So it was a small, small dealership. And honestly, I wasn't ready uh, for the repair aspect. So I ended up going to deliver parts for CarQuest for, I think, almost a year. That, oddly enough, and that's why I was still in my two-year. Oddly enough, that helped a lot. Just being able to go around, drop parts off, See guys working on vehicles, maybe ask a question after I built a little bit of a rapport with them and then uh you know, going back to the parts side of things. Honestly that that helped
0: quite a bit. You were going to two year school though, post secondary? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But no internship during during the two years. No. Uh, I then I went to
1: uh tires plus for a while. That was oil changes, tires, light mechanical. And they align us. They would start giving me a little bit more and more way not in my interest. I, I had no interest in doing that stuff D- and didn't intrigue me at all. Another, a small repair shop kind of knew about me and they just knew that I really liked diagnostics, drivability, electrical stuff. And then he hired me. It wasn't even so much an internship. You know, they hired me at a. Less money than I was making at Tires Plus, but I was, you know, still living at home. I had the ability to do this. Um, I didn't need a ton of money to make ends meet. And, um, that allowed me, they, they gave me a lot of rope to work through these problems, help me where they could. But honestly, it was just let me figure my way through. And then that's when I, uh, during that stint there, which ended up being like seven years, but, uh, within the first year there, I went to a third-year um college course strictly on diagnostics, electrical, drivability. That was life-changing to come back and feel that much more competent and then be allowed the ability to apply it. You know what I mean? I, I was paid um hourly, and I was given time to figure things out.
0: Is the industry doing entry-level compensation right today, according to you?
1: I'm worried about the trend. I think we're seeing a big surge. I I think it's coming from a lot of places to start increasing the wages of those coming out of college, coming out of a trade school. I got to tell you, I disagree. And maybe that sounds crazy. I know they have student debt. I know they're going to most likely be expected to start buying some tools and they're most likely going to get thrown on a lube rack or in front of a tire machine or sweeping the floors. But honestly, I think we got to start taking really much better care of our veterans. There's a lot of trades. There's a lot of careers. You get out of a college with your degree or on your way to getting your degree and you work for quite a while for free or for a very, very low, low amount of money, and they just call it an internship. I think we could adopt a little bit of that. I would never suggest that we have these uh, people coming out of the schools working for free. But I think the focus should be on taking care of our veterans because if we take care of those, if we take care of uh, those techs, those employees... They become advocates, not only for the industry, staying in the automotive repair trade, but also advocates for your business, for your shop.
0: What you're saying is if we're going to increase the wage, the starting wage of um, uh, of a, a new team member um, freshly into the industry, um, because we want to figure out how to keep them and it's a millennial so there's a different way of managing a millennial we we need to do the same for the people that got us where we are today
1: or i'm saying leave their salaries on the low end you know legitimately entry level but give them a light at the end of the tunnel that's more important than what they're making right now if they can go at break time and say you know I'm thinking about giving this up. You know, I got a buddy. He's doing this or a friend. She's doing that and she's making more. And you have a couple of texts that have been with you a couple of years going, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. You've only been doing this for so long. You, uh, you know, you're doing really good, but you're just starting out. Look at us. You know, you can be just like us. You know, you might need to work a little bit on this. You might need to work a little bit on that. I'm going to. You know, come over and ask for help. We'll show you the way. But if if you get to be pretty good, this is where you can end up. And I think that light at the end of the tunnel—that that something worth striving for—is far far more important than what they're getting at the moment. Uh, especially if the people working for you are advocating, like this is a great place to work. So and so takes really good care of us. You know, I'm doing really well. I'm set to retire at you know, 62, 65, 67, whatever, you know, this this trade has done, you know, been really good to me. This shop, this owner, this manager has been really good to me. That to me is far, far more important than a boost of a few dollars an hour entry level and then the same complaint occurring and the veterans are going, Hey dude, how old are you? Get out while you still can. You know, I should have. And that's what they're getting right
0: now. Every interview sparks these wild uh, synopsises in my brain. And I write these thought points down. And one of them was career path. And, you know, number one, I think it's important to outline that. But when you go out and say, hey, look at, you know, Bobby's been with me 20 years, 15 years over here. And you say, you know, this is a great place to work. Good call. All the right. You say all the right things. No matter what you start the wage at, the point of it is, is that someone is looking for a, a home. Uh, some I, I went to school for all this stuff. Where am I going? Okay, we'll give it a shot. Bring my toolbox. Let's see what happens. Ooh, I have a career path. I have uh, I have benefits, and the and the guys don't the guys that are working left or the right of this individual don't have anything to shore that up. Uh, you got you got a great chance of spinning that, but you know he'll stay, but he'll be looking for the quickest possible opportunity out and one of the things I interviewed Dwayne Myers on his apprentice program um, was actually just just recently released episode 335 a great very smart episode because we also interviewed the secretary of state of the Department of Labor of the state of Maryland that has a very aggressive apprentice program which Dwayne Meyer at Dynamic Automotive uh, became part of but one of his biggest takeaways in that episode 335 and it just blew me away and don't ask me why after doing 335 episodes it finally hit me hard but he said karm training is retention you know i have known it i i never saw it put into these simple three words but i know you agree and so let's get into that because Dwayne's taking them to vision he's paying for everything he's give, he's paying them when they when they have to go to training uh, during the day he he's compa- he's making training a huge part of their culture big benefit and he realizes that uh, you know all of his techs now managing five, you know one of five of his stores he all his techs are millennials He's it, it, got a really di- dynamic business. Oh my God, that's the name of the business: Dynamic Automotive. W- when I say all that to you, Matt, it, you know it, you're a seasoned guy. Uh, are these some of the right strategies to be to be doing?
1: Oh, absolutely! I think anything you can do to make somebody feel like they're a part of something, and part of the part of something successful, a contributor to something successful, somebody benefiting from that success, and in the plans for the future. I think that's
0: really important.
1: Yeah, almost all-encompassing.
0: Training is retention. Yeah, why would I have to go anywhere else? You know, anything I want to learn that's new that's coming out, probably within the next three months, he's sending me to class for it. Or we're doing an online, or there's someone coming in, or or someone went to the class, came back, and shared with us what they learned.
1: Yep, that's very important. Being able to to go to those classes, come back, apply it, and share it with everybody, you know, it just starts this culture. It's the beginning of changing the shop
0: culture, right? So interesting you talk about go to class, get the manual, pay a lot of money, come home. Two weeks later, you're stuck, you pick up the phone, you call the instructor because he was so kind enough to give you his email or his phone number, and you tell him, hey, uh, I'm stuck on something, and he says, page 76 of your manual. <laughs> and, and you know so many trainers does that frustrate them that they don't go and, and really tough through and apply it or yeah it might
1: be frustrating it might be disheartening i think you're torn is it your presentation wasn't correct at least for that person or uh, is it something where that's you know i don't i don't think it's a rare thing i think that's actually quite common as a lot of attendees and a lot of classes, and they sit through it and uh it could be uh and them as individuals it could be them uh because it's you know eight o'clock at night and they just had a you know worked all day they're exhausted but uh to go back to the shop and a few weeks later pull upon that uh memory of sitting in the classroom and that topic and let me go grab that book. So, Flip through it, get to that page, refresh your memory. I, I think it's actually quite common that 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 happens. That um, people are running into uh, issues that they've talked about in classroom not that long ago, or even you know, I guess what's considered not that long ago, months. You know, even if it's six months ago, to recall that you were in that class, that you have that book somewhere fairly accessible. Uh, maybe the shops. Need to add a little bit of a multimedia room, they used to call them, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They had right? all the old motor books lined up. Well,
0: they might have to bring that back. And, of course, the DVD of uh, My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, to go pull that book
1: and uh, refresh and then go at it again. Unfortunately, it's just not that uncommon.
0: We were, uh, we were just talking a little bit about explaining uh, some complex issues to a customer. and uh, it, it got me to think about uh, is there value in complexity today where the shop shines when we can fix a problem like that?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Reputation wise, you start to get that reputation as being that shop, right? It might not even be the complexity of the car or what you're doing specifically to fix the car. I think there's uh, reputation built up by having technology there that helps with that communication with the customer, be it a shop management system, be it a digital vehicle, vehicle inspection um, system. That builds trust, that builds that reputation. Depending on uh, your clientele, you know, younger uh, clientele starts to see this technology, they much rather communicate via text message or instant message of some sort? Am I going to go to shop A that's uh, still handwriting invoices? Or am I going to shop B where that's I drop my vehicle off? I can converse with them tech, via text message even while I'm at work because it's only taking me a couple of minutes. I don't have to sit on the phone. They send me photos. I can make educated guesses or, sorry, educated decisions. Who are they going to go tell their friends about?
0: So the digital experience really does bring differentiation and value. That's what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I find it so fascinating um, to be on uh, so many of the uh, social media sites, um, scottbrownsdiag.net, and and looking at some of the case studies and the stories that are coming uh, up and out of that. And, you know, and I just sit there and I say, wouldn't it be something if the common man <laughs> could hover over some of the challenges that the Diag, Diag techs really come, you know, four hours later and they show you a picture of the, the burned out spot on the circuit board that they found, you know, somewhere in the, in the car, on the system or in the door panel or wherever it was and the work that people go through. Um yeah, all that stuff's up on YouTube, but people think YouTube's a silver bullet. And how does that message get across to, uh, to the consumer? How do we, you know, as Bob Greenwood says, how do we make this a profession?
1: Ah, uh, man, I think first of all, we have to see the value in it. And it isn't just that really, really tough problem, because I think that really, really tough problem, everybody sees the value in it, especially if you get it, you figure it out. And especially if it's been around to a few different shops, I think the client sees the value, you know, the shop sees the value. What we're pretty good at devaluing is it, the check engine light that's diagnosed in 15 minutes. Like we just click that over as being easy. Now I feel bad about charging X amount of dollars or time to figure that out where, you know, the client may not be paying you for the 15 minutes you spent on the car. It might be the 15 years you invested in training and experience to be able to figure this car out in 15 minutes. And recognizing the value in that. Um, but it isn't just diagnostics. You know, I, a lot of times I keep defaulting back to diagnostics because that's kind of my life. But we do it on everything. You know, we do it on tires. Look at what we have to do for tires nowadays. Some of these tire machines to do the low-profile tires. It's a lot of money, and it takes skills to do that. You can't go grab somebody off the street and put them in front of the machine, okay, most machines, and have them doing tires. There's value in doing that, but now we've made it one of those, I don't know, maybe not quite a lost leader, but it's really not... Uh, well-charged for, well-compensated for, and tires are one of the more important things on a vehicle, right?
0: You know, thanks for reminding me about that. I hit a pothole and got a flat in the Lowe's parking lot a few weeks ago. It was 10 o'clock at night, and it was raining. So I opened my glove compartment, <laughs> called Geico, and said, come and help me. <laughs> they said, because I live in the country, right, Matt? They said, "There's n- nobody will dispatch. Nobody picked up the dispatch, so we have to do it in the morning. Ann had to come and get me, had to go back the next morning, and here it is, the daylight. And I probably could have gotten the jack out and done it myself. I get all that now that it was during the day and, you know, I didn't have a flashlight or anything with me, but I let the guy come because I was on the docket. He lifts up, he does everything to, to do everything right at the car, and he takes off the tire. Low profile, right? And I was blown away. As to the real width of that tire, I had no idea the size of that tire, and all I was hoping is that I didn't ruin the rim because the rim probably costs as much as all four tires, probably or the yeah. the, the, the wheel. Hell, I'm showing <laughs> yep, my age yep. by saying yep. rim, right? Yep. We're in this incredibly high tech world where where you know it, it, there's a specialty almost in everything you touch on the car.
1: Yeah, you just see it so often and <laughs> brake jobs. You know, brake service, relinings, you know, it's, I don't, is the right terminology a commodity? Like we just sell it at such a discount. Yet it's so important. And every day, maybe every day is the wrong terminology, but more and more often there's more to be done to do the job properly. You know, we're starting to do more and more rear brake services where you need to have a scan tool connected. So, the scan tools, and here we go again, back to the, like the diagnostics, but more and more the scan tools are being involved, not so much to figure out what's wrong, but to actually do the repair. It's part of the repair process, part of the maintenance process. So, this, you know, it's getting to the point where almost every bay is going to have to have a scan tool of some sort. And one of the first things they do is plug in.
0: So, when's the day going to come that that part? Let's call it a, a wheel bearing. has a really in, incredible sensor built into it. I mean, it knows vibrations and you know everything that has to do with uh, the quality. It knows. It, it knows the. Uh, if you will, the frequencies of when it runs good and it knows the frequencies when it runs bad. And now you plug into the car and, you know, I'm I'm maybe oversimplifying that somebody could just plug into the, you know, whatever jack there's going to be someday and the computer and every part on there is going to speak back to you. But do you see that uh, coming up?
1: Maybe not to that level, but where you're going with that, I think you're on to something is there will be more sensors around a vehicle, almost like a nervous system, reporting. And I, I, we're kind of heading down the road of artificial intelligence. And we might as well wake up to the fact that it's coming. And, you know, I don't want to put timetables on things because I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, but just with the technology that we have, it's pretty amazing what they're doing. You know... Not, I'm not trying to change the subject. I, I think this goes in line. There's been a few car accidents with autonomous vehicles. And I'm not saying they're purely art- artificial intelligence, but with those vehicles are not marketed as being fully autonomous. They've, they're not sold that way. Yet clients have been driving them, car owners have been driving them for quite a while with a lot of confidence in that system. You mean level threes? And then, level threes. Yeah. Okay. Level twos, level threes. They're driving them with their hands off the wheel. They're not reading the paper, not paying attention. They're supposed to still be paying attention, but they're not. And that's not because I think they're ignorant. I think they've been lulled into confidence. The system has proven itself to be reliable until it isn't. Where I'm going with that is I don't think there's a whole lot more that needs to be done uh, on a car To start adding these things that you're talking about. Like, so maybe it isn't a sensor built into the wheel bearing, but maybe there's a sensor on the right front corner, the left front corner, you know, and whatnot that reports certain things like vibration. And then a system like you're saying, it knows what's good and bad.
0: It does. Math will be able to determine. We know what the frequencies that are coming from the uh, right front of the car is when it was new on flat, smooth roads. So you go out and you take this car in a learn mode on a nice flat surface for uh, two miles And you put in a diag mode and it comes up and it starts showing you areas of the car or a suggested part that is giving, putting off a frequency that may suggest that the bearing has only six months of life left to it or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's not unrealistic. I don't think that we may be, you know, I used to have a theory or an idea, I guess I used to have an idea that more and more diagnostic decisions would be taken out of technicians' hands because we would have an either onboard board and offboard diagnostic system that was basically a very elaborate um, trouble tree. That it would go through the steps and the tech would essentially
0: just be the gopher. That is absolutely going to happen. It will happen and I
1: think it might actually be on the car to the point of we may be holding conversations with an Alexa type or Google duplex type. Like they, they are picking up stuff with um, language that is mind boggling. The conversations these can have. And um, I don't know if you've ever played around on some websites that they have the uh, virtual assistants for um, the text messaging you can have quite the conversation with them and you, it's hard to tell if it's a human or not. And it's not, it's a, it's a program. It's a system. Uh So I, I very much see the time where we're pulling a vehicle in and it's going to be like something out of Knight Rider or, you know, Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie where Tony's working on his hot rod and Jarvis is there commenting about the vehicle and showing a breakdown of the engine Live and it, it, you know, maybe it's 20 years away, maybe it's 50 years away, maybe it's five years away. I don't know.
0: Bosch recently announced um, uh, an AI system called Charlie. I've already been, I spoke to the public relations people at Bosch about doing an interview about Charlie. And Charlie is really designed to be running a dealership network for it, it. total soup to nuts, A to Z, north to south, east to west, inside of the dealership when it comes to customer service, productivity, triage, texting, intelligence, TSBs and everything. It is a fully, fully, uh, you know, and I, I've read about it and I'm, I'm just seething to want to get someone on from Bosch to, to talk about what this means. And you know, and who knows, maybe it'll find its way into the aftermarket. But if those are the kind of uh, products that, that are being put out... Uh, then we have a very bright high-tech future going on. I mean, obviously, I think someone else will, you know, capitalism says there'll be a competitor to Charlie, and who knows, maybe it'll be Lucy. And we'll have we'll have other pieces of software to do that. But do you envision, I mean, do you, you ever just sit here looking, I wish I could have my, you know, my uh, augmented reality glasses on hovering over this engine and, and, and actually pointing out exactly where that circuit I'm looking for is?
1: I'm torn about that because technology like we're talking about starts to devalue your top 1%, 10%, 20%. That's who it starts really taking away from because what what something like Charlie will allow is more generalization from the individual tech. So a lot of the podcasts... Rightfully so talk a lot about specialization because there's so much stuff to know. So you might be able to be a bumper to bumper tech, very, very productive bumper to bumper tech on a car line or two. You start getting outside of that. It starts, I think you start pushing that. I'm sure there's individuals out there that are, but as a whole, it gets to be really difficult to be bumper to bumper anything and everything on a car. Uh, auto repair, maybe not auto body, but auto repair, and remain as productive doing heavy line mechanical and diagnostics and maintenance. So we start specializing, right? We either specialize in some car lines, we specialize in certain areas of auto repair, be it you know diagnostics or heavy line stuff like that, and then expand the number of car lines serviced. Charlie starts to eliminate that because I don't have to remember it all. I don't have to know it all. I don't have to remember that, oh, this is how this system works on this car line, but this is how this system works on this car line. Charlie does it. I don't have to remember. Well, now having somebody like me around is less valuable than before
0: at the shop level. You'll be Charlie in charge. I, yeah it' be nice has to be a human I hope so <laughs> I truly understand how you feel about that but matt i, I think you better start getting into into accepting mode because uh it may it may you know it, it, yeah you may be uh, we may be getting ready to present your gold watch but um <laughs> at that time, but the geek side of me just can't can't
1: wait can't wait for the augmented reality glasses can't wait to have a conversation with the car about what's ailing it that would be just mind boggling and exciting but you know the a certain realist of me that's you know I, um i think watson is presenting that to uh medical professionals where he's not going to wipe out the necessarily the general practitioners. It's the specialists. That's
0: where Watson will shine. If you look at the complexity of the human body, two models, you know, we always talk about the two models and the ever-changing science that that is happening in, in the world of medicine and a system needs to be up on top of that and it needs to understand the tests that are being done and, and the results and what they really mean and in, in drug re- interactions and stuff. But, you know, a Watson for automotive. Think of the complexity. Every, all the new stuff that's coming out every day. I mean, there's stuff being worked on in these brainiac labs and all of these, you know, uh, manufacturing facilities all around the country and all the, all the vendors that work in high tech with, with all the OES. God, we know that Ethernet, all that stuff is coming. Uh, I, I can't imagine a computerization not being, you know, an AI not being part. Of your diagnostic routine if not it goes back to specialization okay let me just do asian and i'll be so good at that and you know here we we have some friends of the podcast who've been on before that uh, are going from an asian to an all model shop i mean they're because their customers almost demand it so maybe a, a chain of you know specialty shops where all my my you know my my asian geek diagnostic techs are in one place and all my, all my domestic are in another, but yet we're in all makes and all models place. We'll shuttle the cars wherever they need to be, but I know I'm going to be super efficient and effective in this place, and, and these guys are in deep into the pool on Asian, deep into the pool on OE, deep into the pool on Euro.
1: I can't agree more. It, it is coming. There's a lot of really, really good gonna happen because of it.
0: Thanks for bringing your passion, your intelligence uh, to, uh, to the show. Thanks for having me again. Always love to uh, have your contributions here, man. Talk soon, man. Hey, thanks, Matt, for your time and valuable lessons that can help educate technician, diagnostician, and shop owners alike. The future of our industry is arriving faster than we realize, and we need to stay ahead of the curve from an education, training, compensation, and mentoring perspective to keep the roles and the value of our techs and diet specialists strong. Hey, find the key talking points, additional bio information on Matt Fonslow at remarkableresults.biz slash E346. Share and improve your career path by learning from the experts, the shops, the techs, and the coaches and the educators, the people who are driving the success of our beloved aftermarket. What a great resource with over 400 audio storybooks, including the Town Hall Academy lessons. Hey, talk to me, Carm at biz. Hey, we'll talk soon.